Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Kate had never paid attention to the shape and size of a woman's vulva. Now she traced every swollen fold of Selena's labia. She wanted to know everything about her. She dipped her finger into Selena's body. She circled her clit. Selena groaned and the sound made Cade's body throb with a kind of hunger she'd never felt before. It's been so long since someone touched me, Selena whispered. It feels so good. Neil. Yes. Very sexy. Uh-huh. But, uh... How about we do a podcast? Okay, why not? Yay, podcast! We're already here. I'm already wearing headphones. There's already a microphone in front of me. Might as well do a podcast while we're here, right? Might as well. Yeah. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we do two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. Yes, we do. Uh, All the spoilers. So many spoilers. So many spoilers. If you like reviews that don't spoil anything, this is not the place for you. But what you should do is you should go read the books Mm -hmm. uh have form opinions Uh come back Uh listen to our opinions Uh and then just take those as fact (laughs) (laughs) we're professionals professionals goodness uh so i picked some books you did what did you pick i did i picked twisted creek by jody thomas and Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Stets Waters. And what was the theme? The theme was, ladies inherit a business. <laughs> like, this is actually a huge theme in the I know, I know, I know. I, I thought it was really niche. And I was like, no, 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 no. This happens all the time in romance. <laughs> That's how ladies do business in romance novels. They don't start a business. They, they don't take it. over a business. They only inherit it. Which is why I think some of those like mobile gaming apps, which start out that way with like lady going through trauma and then inheriting a farm, mm-hmm. a shop, a mansion, a garden has done so well. People are like, yes, this yeah, that's is how familiar it to me. I understand. <laughs> great, 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 great. But... Before we get into it, yes. Claire, I have to know. What? What's got you hot and bothered? Oh my gosh. Very many things. <laughs> and I am going to very quickly say a couple of things. One, Great. look, Ukraine is happening. <gasps> and, but we're not going to talk about that. No. Um, because it's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what's going to happen with it. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, and podcasts are like time travel. Uh, you're... What we're experiencing now, you listening to it have already experienced and know more of than we do at this moment. (laughs) I just don't feel like I have the basis to continue talking about it. Um, The other thing that is happening, and I think we should just start all of our podcasts, and I'm going to say this every time. Fuck Governor Greg Abbott. (laughs) That's it. That's all I'm going to say. He is up for re-election this year. Um, If you are in Texas and can vote, fucking throw your money behind somebody else. 
Let's get that man out of office. Ugh. Fuck Governor Greg Abbott. I'm not even going to say why. I'm not even going to say why because he's a horrific human being and we can be done with it. But speaking of time travel, do you know what's happening right now in fashion? Time travel. <laughs> Go on. I'm having whiplash from this, Claire. Because this is what's actually got me hot and bothered. Yes, yes, yes. I went into... Urban Outfitters, which is always an experience. Uh -huh. But let me tell you what. The 90s are back. Oh, no. And not just any 90s, but 1998. <laughs> oh, gross. There are fuzzy bucket hats. No. <laughs> there are Jenko-like jeans. No. Um, there are teenty, inty, beanty tank tops. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there are daisies. Daisies as a look is back. Banana clips have reformed themselves and are on the march. <laughs> look, <laughs> I am seconds away from like finding my perfect uh, melon scent out there somewhere. At Bath and Body Works. But uh, like uh, oversized sublime t-shirts. Oh. <laughs> look, it's back. And it's happening. It was and bad the first time. Look, there are things that I loved about it because I was there and it mm -hmm. was a precious time for me being my formative years. Sure. But let me just say this. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't need it. <laughs> like, so I turned 40 last year, which means if I had had a child when my mother had had a child, which was when she was like 21, 22, mm -hmm. that child would be the same age that I was when this stuff was hot the first time. Oh, no. Uh, awkward for everybody. And that it's just time travel. It's time fucking travel. Anyway. I'm mostly upset about the bucket hats that are fuzzy. Yeah, <laughs> the bucket hats that are fuzzy. Like, there's a lot of things I'm okay with. Look, I love a baby doll dress with a t-shirt and um, and big boots. I'm just never not going to love that. Uh -huh. It's just always going to be there, and I'm fine with it. And that's also back. But let me. But the bucket hats that are fuzzy. Nope, nope. We oh. could have left those in the past. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But that's me. Yeah. So don't know what's happening in Ukraine, except a lot is happening. Fuck Governor Greg Abbott. And um, time travel has happened. Time travel has happened. Neil, what has got you hot and bothered? Um, I don't, I don't know how to follow that. So I had a, I had a dream last night that sort of speaks to where I am in my life right now. <laughs> Some context for said dream. I recently rewatched for the first time in a very long time The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And I've been watching season seven of Drag Race with my roommate. Me rewatching her watching for the first time. These are important. So, in my dream, some of the queens from season seven and I had done a show a drag show on the road and we were done. So we were driving from like the East coast back to San Francisco and we were in this big SUV and I was driving. <laughs> the driver's seat was on the wrong side of the car. No, 
Just the steering wheel was. So I didn't have access to the blinkers or anything. Those were where they should be. But I and the steering wheel were on the wrong side of the car. And I said to the two other people in the car with me, okay, where are we going? How do we get back to San Francisco? Nobody told me. <laughs> so I was just driving, not knowing where I was going. And then there was something wrong with this SUV that I had to like stand on the brake pedal to get it to even start to slow down. It never actually stopped. It just kept going. And then there's a point we were on a freeway and one lane we were going to take was completely impeded by it was like a wall of wrecked cars and uh tow trucks and it was just as i was passing an on-ramp to get to another freeway and literally it was like oh here's to 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 neil's hometown i was like well at least i can go there and then go up north to san francisco so i like drove over the median cut into traffic to get onto this to this thing while the other people in the car were not giving me any help or advice and the car would not stop. And if that is not a perfect encapsulation of my life right now, I don't know what is. <laughs> uh, so all I can say is that I am very thankful for these boozy breakfast smoothies that Claire has made us. <laughs> and that's what's got me hot and bothered. Uh, well... As we in the world veer off of control along the interstates of our lives with a carload full of drag queens, let's talk about these books. <laughs> Twisted Creek by Jody Thomas. Bad luck's been biting at Allie Daniels' heels all her life. So when she inherits a tiny cafe in a small Texas lake community, she's sure that there has to be a catch. But Allie brings her grandmother along, and the cafe gives Nana a chance to do what she loves best. Cook. As Allie settles in to try and make the best of what surely must be a mistake in an old man's will, the people of the lake drop by. Lonely folk discover that there's always a table for one available with a down-home food to warm the soul and an old maid a shy young man a drifter who races the moon across the lake slowly they become family the family Allie never had and when trouble comes Allie finds she's not alone anymore and that sometimes the only cure for bad luck is the courage to love so Neil, uh -huh. that's what the book says it's about. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Is that what this book is about? I mean, yeah, pretty much. Um, a quick warning for listeners: this book, um, deals, um, I would say, strangely with suicide, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of talk of suicide throughout the book, and it feels like it was written by somebody who's never actually thought about it too hard. Um, or talk to anyone or talk to anybody or anything like it's plot points and things that other sad people are going through. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say if that triggers you at all, if that like is something you don't want to talk about, Neil and I aren't going to talk about it a whole lot. I think we're just going to skip over it. Yeah. So just know that if you are actually looking to read these books, if that is something that upsets you, you can just skip that mm -hmm. book. Like, this book doesn't deal with it in a realistic way, deals with it blithely 
and honestly i wasn't i wasn't offended by it i'm offended by the bad writing of it <laughs> but i would say like this may be something you want to skip we're not gonna again this is the last i'm going to talk about it and i think we're not going to touch on it much but mm -hmm. just so you know the book does deal with it and if you're interested in this book but that's something that you do you, that you can't really you know cross that bridge don't read this book yeah that's all i'm going to say okay. neil take it away so there are some parts of this okay the premise of this book is amazing <laughs> it's amazing yeah yeah so there is this young woman, Allie, who had to drop out of, who, um, okay, has a very terrible relationship with her mother, who basically left Allie with her grandparents. And one of my favorite villains we've ever read, honestly. Oh I kind of loved her as a villain. Carla, the mom. We'll get back to her. So Allie was raised by her grandparents, who were farmers, so not a lot of money. And then... She was in school. She Her dream was to be an art teacher. She was in school when her grandfather died. And since her nana had only ever been a farmer's wife, she didn't have, you know, employable skills. So Allie basically had to drop out of school and, like, try and find a way to make ends meet to take care of herself and her nana. And... um. It was rough, and Allie has this whole thing of, like... Like, this book opens, like, if bad luck were a man, Allie would have a stalker. I'm just, like, coming in hot. But you know what? It worked. And, like, the way, the way that she, at, like, 26, I think, has basically given up on her dreams, given up on happiness, it all felt so very real because... All we saw for the, like, to sort of introduce her life is other than her Nana, whom she loves very much, who is the only person that she loves, and now with her grandfather dead, is the only person who loves her. So their relationship is very special. Everything else has been terrible. Nothing has worked out for them, and things are really hard, and they're, like, struggling to make ends meet. And so the fact that she's given up on her dreams, I'm like, oh, yep, thanks to capitalism, the artist is dead. Yes, I believe all of it. And then she gets a letter where she has inherited property from an Uncle Jackson. She's like, I don't have an Uncle Jackson. But then she's like, why not just go? It's it's at this like little town in Texas. And she's like, fuck it, I need a job anyway. Because she like just got let go from her job. And she's like, and hey, they have jobs in Texas. Why not go see what's going on? So then she is told that she's inherited this house and this land in this little, like, lakeside community in, I'm assuming, pretty rural Texas. Yeah, it's like Panhandle. Because there's, because um, I think the way they described it as being north of Lubbock. Uh-huh. So... Um, that's practically where I went to school. So, like, I went to school in Portales, New Mexico. Lubbock is a, uh, about 45 minutes across the border into Texas. Mm -hmm. And so then I think this was described as, I think, as being north of Lubbock. Mm -hmm. And so that's not quite Panhandle, but it's kind of getting up there. Mm -hmm. um, Plains area. This is Dust Bowl area. area. So, yeah. like... 
Finding and this whole thing, it's in a canyon that's mm-hmm. been carved out by a man-made lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I could believe it. I yeah. can believe that this yeah, was yeah. a place. And and it felt real, too, because the community is struggling because it, it used to be like a vacation destination and it's sort of fallen out of fashion. So the, the community is struggling. And so she goes, she and Nana go, they discover that they've inherited basically like the the mercantile, like the general store. And the apartment above it. And then people are just like, oh, yeah, Jackson said you were coming. And then just assume that she knew what the hell was going on. And then this community is full of these weird people who are all there because they have secrets or something they're running from. And so, like, she's sort of, like, putting down roots, trying to figure out if this can work for her. Also figuring out what's going on with these weird people and solving the mystery of who this Uncle Jackson was. It was all great. It was all wonderful. And you'll notice I haven't mentioned the romance even once because this book would have been better without it. I agree. Like, right away, (laughs) too. Her relationship with Nana was so interesting and very intricate. Mm -hmm. Like, kind of what... So Nana's in the early stages of what seems like a pretty severe dementia Mm -hmm. and she's not going to be able to put together lots of memories for much longer. Mm -hmm. She doesn't remember who this Jackson was. She knew somebody named red in that area, but like her mind isn't working right. So like Mm -hmm. this is the area where she had fallen in love with this young man when she was young during Mm -hmm. world war two. Yeah. Yeah. Like who was not the man she married. It was like a summer, not even a fling. It was like a really sweet, kind of chaste summer romance that she had with this boy Red before she like went back home and ended up marrying uh, her husband, whom she did love. That was a loving relationship. But, you know, he was he was a very like guarded person. So anyway. So, yeah. So then uh, we have to talk about fucking Luke Morgan. Who? Okay. All right, let me just can may I introduce him? Of course. You are a activated 26-year-old woman who is good at taking care of people, good at taking care of the people you love most, who has had multiple jobs and a, a rich life experience. You can handle your fucking shit. Mm-hmm. And you're in a very weird situation. You've inherited something. Uh, you don't want to let on that you don't know what's up because you want to keep this thing you've inherited. And you're worried if you say anything, it's all going to poof like a, mm-hmm. like a bit of smoke. You're finally finding this little bit of happiness. And there's these weird people around the lake. And one of these weird people is somebody who seems like a squatter. Like he's maybe not homeless. We're going to say, but like... um, She describes him as a drifter. Ted Kaczynski. (laughs) So he's a Ted Kaczynski type (laughs) who's quiet and rough around the edges. A little unkempt. A little unkempt. Not soft-spoken. A man of few words. Look, I'm not... Look... Ted Kaczynski in the near the end wasn't a handsome man, but there was a moment in there where in these older pictures, he's kind of a good looking dude. You get it. Tall, works outside, has a tan. It's Ted Kaczynski out here and he doesn't say anything to her. Isn't mean, but isn't nice. And I'm like, nah, (laughs) I'm not attracted to this guy. But then once we're in his head, he is less attractive. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so as as we were establishing the like the thrust of Twisted Creek and the people who live there who don't just like vacation there, the people who live there are called nesters. And so we get to know the nesters and blah blah blah. I'm like, I was so charmed by it. And then it's like, watch the guy be garbage. And hey, guess what, Claire? Garbage. Garbage. And I can't even call him garbage because when we're in his head, the feelings that he has about Allie... Well, first of all, there's this whole like infantilization thing yep. that we'll touch on. But beyond that, his feelings for her are so vague. Like, he can't believe she affects him this way. And then never describes what that way is or what it feels like to him. So... <laughs> He just, he's feeling feelings and we're meant to intuit that they're romantical feelings. And yeah. it's just like, it never says that. It never says that even once. His feelings for her are so vague and just like, he's hes hes a piece of driftwood. He's a piece of driftwood that walks around like a man. Yeah, I think one of the disturbing parts that I feel like, I don't normally label things toxic masculinity. And... Because I, I feel like I have a hard time, like, wrapping my mind around what that is necessarily. Mm. But I'm going to say there's a moment where they haven't talked. He's just seen her. They've mm -hmm. sort of interacted. And he thinks in his mind, it can be nothing more than friendship. All I can offer her is friendship. And then he doesn't speak to her out loud <laughs> for, like, I don't know, three chapters. Yeah. And and is kind of mean to her in a weird way. And I'm like, what do you think friendship is? What, what exactly do you understand to be friendship? And the thing we find out is he's actually an ATF agent mm -hmm. um, who is uh, taking his personal PTO to investigate the murder of his friend Jackson. But here's the thing. He's like, he knows that... Jackson died, and he knows that drug dealers and people who make drugs are set up in, like, the abandoned cabins of this little lakeside town. And he's like, oh, I knew, I, I know that they had something to do with Jackson's murder. And he operates under that assumption, but there's no evidence to suggest this whatsoever. And in fact, I don't even remember if they were involved. Uh, no. Okay, and yes. great. No and yes. Oh, <gasps> uh, was it? <sighs> it was the sheriff. It was, yeah, it was the pills. Spoiler alert, everybody. This creepy-ass sheriff who comes in every once in a while. Um, they wrap this up very Star Trek-like, where in the last, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the last five minutes. Okay. They're okay. like, oh, and FYI, the sheriff killed him. <laughs> yeah. Things that happen off stage. One. Luke and Allie having the conversation where he's actually an ATF agent. Right, offstage. Two, uh, them, uh, Luke and this guy, Willie, figuring out that the sheriff was the bo boss of this drug ring. Offstage. And how they figured it out and then confronted him about it. Offstage. All offstage. What? 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 Also, like, with between the drug shit and then, like, figuring out what's going on with Jackson and then Carla, the mom, shows up and that drama, there was too much going on. There was too much going on. And 
I just the drug stuff was unnecessary, and Luke was unnecessary. Well, and they had set up some really neat things, like um, uh, Jackson had this uh, safe that mm-hmm. nobody could open, mm-hmm. and that it had some birthday that was important to him, but nobody knew what it was. Yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, he was murdered because somebody thought that he had a lot of money in the safe. Sure, sure, That sure. is an easy line. Mm-hmm. Boom, ba doom doom Boom, ba doom doom Boom, ba doom like, and, like, and it could still be the creepy sheriff. It could have still I'm been still the sheriff. I'm still on, you know what, and I'm actually still on board with, like, drug dealer stuff happening, meth lab stuff happening in the area. I'm still okay with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, and the sheriff being involved in that. Yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. that could be a side thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> It, establ- it helps establish the motivation of the sheriff, but we don't have to spend any time. We don't have to spend any it. time on it. The whole action sequence where it's the drug dealers running away. There's an ATF agent who shot who we met for like five seconds. And I'm like, I'm, am I supposed to care about this guy? I don't even know what's happening. Mm. And like the whole time, this is Claire Rice. This is Claire Rice thinking ATF agent in Texas. He started, it's like, it takes place in 2006, this book. Uh-huh. And he's been working for 10 years. Hold on, was he at Waco? That is all that was going through my mind. That is all that was going through my mind. Good news, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. But that's all that was happening in my head. And I was like, I can't trust this guy. <laughs> he was an ATF agent at Waco. Yeah. That went bad. Well... <laughs> Another reason not to trust him. Um, Besides that he refuses to tell anybody anything. He refuses to tell us things. He refuses to tell the agency things. He's investigating a murder and drugs in his off time. On his vacation. That's good. That's not okay. He's on vacation. And... When we spend chapters not in his head, so the Alley chapters are first person from her perspective, and then the Luke chapters are third person, but we still get insight into what he's thinking. There's so much that he withholds from us. So much. And and for no good reason. And the the big things that he withholds from us are, you know, his feelings about things. Whatever, that's fine. Um so okay. We have to talk about the infantilization and the weird daddy-daughter shit going on. So the very first time that Luke sees uh, Allie, who, by the way, is 5'1", he sees her from afar and assumes that she's 15. And then he gets a better view of her, and it says something like, oh, her trim little figure was definitely all grown up. He looks at her boobs. He looks straight at her boobs. He And he, uh, the first thing he says, one of the first things he says to her is, are you finished growing? Yeah. And, and then she- he also asks her how old she is. And when she says 26, then the narration's like, he walked away as if he got everything he needed to know. And then there's, and I forget the situation, but at some point he can tell that she's wearing pink panties. Well, it's because, um, so he, there was a, he had lit a bonfire kind of outside, like uh-huh, uh-huh, sort uh-huh. of on the lake shore. Yeah. And um, all she saw was this huge fire. Yeah. And so she was like, I got to put out that fire. Uh-huh. And then she saw that Luke 
who she didn't know was an ATF agent, remember? Mm -hmm. She thought was just a crazy guy who lived by the lake by himself. Was starting a fire in her backyard. Was starting a huge fire. So she ran- Out of the mail that she decided people didn't need. Did you pick up on that? Uh Uh-huh. So in this this little lakeside community, they don't have a post office. Like the, the mail carrier drops all the mail off at the general store and people come and pick it up. And she was sorting through it and she was pulling out, I'm assuming it was like, you know, like catalogs and the things that nobody actually wants, but she was deciding for other people that they didn't need that mail and then they burned it. I'm like, that's a felony. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, lady? Yeah, you don't get to decide if people want their JCPenney catalog or not. You no. don't get to decide that. Um. So he's burning it. So, she, But she's like, you should be putting out the fire, idiot. So, Of course they want that catalog. Only one person in this whole town has a phone and nobody has internet. How else are they going to know what's at JCPenney before they go? Exactly. Exactly. Uh. So she runs out and she's in a like an emergency situation. So she's only in like the shirt she was sleeping in in her underwear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he looks at her and instead of thinking, oh, I should probably explain to her why I'm building a huge ass fire. Uh-huh. And instead treats her like a fucking idiot. Yep. Like, you would just know why he was building a fire. And then the narrative treats her like an idiot, too. When we find out why, then it's like, oh, dumb Allie, you should have listened to him. Yeah, listened? What the fuck did he say? All he said was, like, nothing. He said nothing. He he mentioned her pink panties. Right, so in his head, he sees her pink panties, and he's like, no adult woman wears pink panties. Okay, no. Oh, uh. And I I was like... And he then listed the types of panties adult, adult women, women wear. wear. White, black, sometimes red panties, but That's... not pink. Next paragraph. Not that he would actually know because he hadn't done a lot of research on the topic. I'm like, yeah, shut the fuck up, guy. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Honestly, like, so, and I agree. I think if we cut out all of the Luke scenes. Cut out all the Luke scenes and all the drug dealer scenes. And all the drug dealer scenes. And actually had, like, a taciturn drifter looking dude Uh who was hanging about and slowly over time got better looking to her Mm -hmm. by the actions he did, which was helping her and her Nana um, by, like, you know, getting cleaned up because he kind of wants to impress a pretty lady, but he doesn't want to say that out loud. Mm -hmm. And so she sees him progressively getting better looking because one, he's acting more like a human. Two, he has a reason to try. And three, he's hanging around more and starts to enjoy her company. Honest to God, if they said like maybe five words to each other and then they had that kiss mm-hmm. where they're just standing super close and then he, she, they just move into each other automatically mm-hmm. after all the hard work they put into the mm-hmm. cafe, after all the time that they spent together, hot! really hot like that she had this one opinion of him nobody knew much about him and the people who did weren't saying and then over time he grows hotter mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm on fucking and then you yeah. find out later which is dumb but i'm fine with it find out later that he was an off-duty atf agent who was looking into the murder of the person she inherited this from Mm -hmm. and he didn't talk to her much because he wondered if she was a suspect Mm -hmm. that's all great yeah i'm on board Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i hated being in his head so much so much okay let's move on to something a lot more fun carla oh carla that bitch that delicious bitch bitch. (laughs) she felt okay 
She felt very cartoon villain to me. She did. And you know what? This is the one time I didn't really care. But it, it worked because it was easy for us to see like her tactics in a way that was really exciting. But then also Allie was onto her from the start. Yeah. Like by now, she and Allie was like, oh yeah, I used to sit around waiting for her and blah, blah, blah. But like now that she's got, <clears throat> excuse me, now that she's gotten a little more jaded and like, knows and, and now is an adult and sees her mother for who she is then she's like oh yeah she's just being nice right now because she wants something she's just doing this because of this and she gets in some good shots too oh my god she's sassy as hell to carla and it felt so good but then at the very end the last confrontation luca quote had to come in and like stand up for her no he didn't no. she was she was doing well, what I wish this book had been was Allie has given up on her dreams and because of that sort of like given up on her confidence and like sort of given up on herself in, in the sense that like she doesn't see the good in sort of like advocating for herself or wanting anything beyond like, you know, making sure that they can afford food and have shelter because, you know, capitalism's the worst and that and this was in there, but that she, like, got roots. She sort of, like, um, became close with the weird people in the town. And, in fact, there was a scene, oh, my, it got me a little choked up when she was in the hospital. And the uh, nurse was like, oh, your family's out in the waiting room waiting for you. And she's like, what? Because Nana was also in the hospital because they fought off a drug dealer. She d They did a very good job of fighting off that drug. They did. Did not need Luke. Didn't need Luke at all. So Nana was in ICU. Allie was just being checked over and she was about to be released. And the nurse is like, oh yeah, your family's out there. And she goes out into the waiting room and it's all the friends that she made from the community. And Hallie had this moment that she's like, oh my God, the nurse thought they were my family. And it was so sweet. And I just wanted to be from that from those interactions, from like being an outcast, being an outcast in a community of outcasts and finding that found family and like her place in it and blah, blah, blah. Then she finally gets to have the like, the 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 real moment with Carla where she's like, like, you're, you're pathetic. You are pathetic. You constantly want, you constantly take, nothing is ever good enough for you. And I feel bad for you. You are pathetic. And then like to take her down and then she stands up to her mom and she feels like she's like left that part of her, her life behind her. And now she can like go forth and ah, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted so badly. But no, Luke had to be there. Yeah, Luke had to step in. And so, Carla, Carla comes in because she's sniffed out an opportunity for money, mm -hmm. which is all Carla really cares about. And so she's there to try to convince the lawyer that, in fact, Jackson didn't mean to leave the property to her daughter. He meant to leave it to her. Yeah, because she had visited him. Right, and she's got something once. to back, back that up. And there's no evidence that Jackson could have known alley at all mm -hmm. so it, fine it all other than and i thought this was really sweet and i really liked it and it was nice because it added to the mystery that all the nesters were like oh yeah no we knew you were coming jackson kept talking about when you were going to be here and then we find out too that he like paid his accounts a few months in advance so that Allie wouldn't have to worry about it when she took over. And it built this whole thing of like, oh, he knew something was going to happen to him kind of thing. And it was really great. 
Oh, it was really great. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, like I would be f- like, there were two romances in this book. One, it was Nana remembering her romance with Red slash Jackson. Yes, we find out that Jackson was Red and that kept up a correspondence. And since he didn't have a family, he left everything to Allie, knowing that Nana would come back to the to the lake and and like be able to relive that magical summer. It was so fucking sweet. It was, it was so lovely. And oh my god. And I just felt like if we'd spent more time on the mystery of Jackson mm-hmm. and that. And and that all of the memories are locked up in Nana's head and she can't access them in a normal way. Yeah. So how delightful to sort of relive her and Jackson's romance from this like strange memory perspective. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, her daughter, her granddaughter is having a, a romance with like this guy who's troubled. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. Why did we have to get in his head? Why did we have to have convoluted things? I mean, and then, okay, so you and I grew up in places where there were a lot of meth labs. Uh-huh. And I would say we don't know a lot about meth. Other than that very special commercial from my childhood that I get excited every time I share with people. Oh, my God. So just to give people a bit of a picture... There was an anti-meth, like very specifically anti-meth commercial that played in the 90s. I thought it was a national thing until I moved up to San Francisco. People were like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, just, and the only other people I know who know of it also grew up in places around the country with really bad meth problems. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with this from, like this song you've had, and we will post this somewhere so that Everyone you can enjoy Google it. Google I think it's like meth song commercial. Oh, oh we are going to put it in. Uh, put I'll, pu- it, I'll put, put the it in YouTube the in the. Oh my God, it's so good. It is the catchiest song you ever did here. And it's about meth. Indeed. Well, and anyway. And I, well, and we both grew up in places like I grew up in Albuquerque, which was, of course, where Breaking Bad took place. And you I grew, grew up, up in Riverside, where Breaking Bad was supposed to take place, but right. they wouldn't let them film there. So they went to Albuquerque. So. We are from the meth capitals of the world, um, which isn't also untrue because meth is all over. Yeah, but yeah. so I think we have a familiarity. Mm-hmm. And here's what I have to say. So what happens to the meth labs in the book is that apparently these drug people, because it's really unclear, will build a lab in one of these abandoned um, cottages, which I absolutely think is a true thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a couple of days later, blow it up and move on to a different cottage. On purpose. On purpose. They'll burn it down and go somewhere else. And burn it down and go somewhere else. And and around this lake, Mm -hmm. where there's a whole bunch of abandoned uh, buildings like this, which, one, having abandoned buildings like that in a place like that, 100%. Oh, yeah. um, That they would blow it up every two days on purpose no 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 once you've got your secure location wherein you are cooking your meth Mm -hmm. i do believe that they do blow them up sometimes on purpose because they need to get out of there quickly when somebody's cut on no mostly it's like mostly on accident with a lot of really volatile Uh chemicals Uh (laughs) that shit blows up because they're idiots Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i I, again, I am from Riverside, which is in the high desert in SoCal. And the next county over, San Bernardino, there was a like a morning talk radio show where every week 
they had a count of how many explosions there were out in the desert, like way out in the desert. And they're like, oh yeah, there were three explosions in the desert this week. Wonder why? Wink, wink. It's like, no, nobody, very rarely, they only will blow up a meth lab on purpose if they think the fuzz is coming. Right. And see, the thing is, these guys in this book would never have thought that Mm -hmm. because the sheriff was one of the ringleaders. So also, um, there was a point and I understand why the writer did this because it makes for tension. It just didn't make sense. Luke suspected Allie. Because she stood the most to gain from Jackson's death. But he also thinks that the death involved the drug dealers. I'm like, yeah, but the fires were happening. And he knew that the cabins blowing up were because of the drug dealers. I'm like, yeah, but that was happening before Allie even showed up. How are they connected? He's not good at his job. No. Uh, No. So... And it just felt like the writer had gotten into the weeds mm-hmm. in a in a writing situation she was uncomfortable with and unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. but just kept going. Yeah. And decided she was going to dig deeper, where I really feel like she could have elevated out of it and it would have mm-hmm. improved the whole thing. Like if she just kept the focus on Jackson this was mm-hmm. if this was all about Jackson. And again, I yeah. keep going back to that safe, which of course ended up being a nothing burger. I'm not even gonna spoil for you guys what was in the safe because it was it was barely romantic. <laughs> oh, there was the winter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it didn't even make sense to me. <laughs> no, I was like, I, it was kind of like the thought was kind of cute, it was but it cute, also was like, why, why are you keeping keep it in, when you can listen to it in the blowing in the breeze? It was an insane thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, I guess they just didn't want to spoil it so quick when, like, they walk up and they're like, oh, he had a wind chime, the one that, like, my nana has. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I well, get it. I get it. It should have been something else other than the wind chime, though. It should have been full of fucking money. It should have been full of fucking money. Yeah. Because then there's a reason to kill him. Mm-hmm. Th- like then there's a reason to investigate his death there's mm-hmm. a reason Allie could have been the murderer there's a reason her mom could have been the murderer they insinuated that he had money too yeah they insinuate like people were like yeah he seemed to do better for himself than he should have being the owner of the general store in this tiny little community there was money somewhere yeah. that absolutely but it was just a red herring and wasn't real no but it would have been much simpler cut yeah. and dry if the sheriff had if the sheriff did want that old man's money mm-hmm. didn't bring him his medication when asked and so like had made him worse and then thought that was going to be able to get him into the safe mm-hmm. even the sheriff even tried to move the safe and then uh it didn't work out because mm-hmm. this young man who was visiting from austin had come around to check and now was around all the fucking time yeah yeah, because Luke's grandfather and Jackson were best friends. So Luke knew Jackson also, which is why he was emotionally invested. But yeah, I like I like this better too, because then it could have been like, oh, the sheriff knew that Jackson kept talking about this alley girl, but he knew he didn't have family. And then nobody ever came and visited him except for this woman, Carla. So he's probably making this alley person up. So he doesn't have to worry about this. So he'll just have access to the yeah. to the safe. And then when Allie does show up, that puts the sheriff in direct conflict with Allie instead of just like being in the background. 
And then that whole scene when also because when then Ellie this... and Luke are supposed to have their date, mm-hmm. and Luke is off doing his ATF thing. I don't know why he set up a date when he was having this ATF raid because Ugh. he's a fucking idiot. He's an idiot. Anyway, he's bad at his job. So he sets up this. Um, so she's waiting for Luke to show up. What would have been great is if the sheriff was like, caught you alone. Mm-hmm. And then tried to kill her and Nana. Mm-hmm. And like she was able to, but he shows up in like not in his sheriff uniform. So like he's yeah. like in disguise sort of. So she doesn't yeah. even know who she's fighting, but her and Nana fight him off the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And then Luke has to go find this weird guy who attacked the woman he loves. Mm-hmm. And then they have a showdown in the forest. And mm-hmm. then we find out all the things. Mm-hmm. That w- I mean, fucking that would have been so yeah. great. Because also that ties into the story with Jackson slash Red and the grandma, which ties into the mom, which ties into Allie being able to stand up for her, which ties into the found family themes. So basically everything was there except the drug stuff was entirely unnecessary and actually just detracted from what could have been an amazing book. Yes. And do I think that there is a meth problem in rural Texas? Oh, yes. Do I think that that made parts of this a little bit more realistic yes Mm -hmm. do i think it belonged to this story no No. (laughs) absolutely not parts of it were really funny i loved all the nesters mrs uh mrs deals the the old lady with the phone and just like yeah, there's Mrs. Deals, she old lady with phone. There was the other one with the dog. That's not the same person, is it? No, that's she had two names, um, like Mary Lynn or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Oh, that whole thing. People are like, oh yeah, she ran away because because her like dad killed her mom or something crazy like that, and she had to drop out of nursing school. But then she's great to have around because every time somebody got sh- got hurt, it was like, oh, she started nursing school, and then she even says that she, like, keeps up with it. Right, so she's, like, their nurse. So she, so it makes sense when she's like, okay, I can help with this, but also we need to get this person to a fucking hospital right now. Yeah. It's like, great, I believe all that. And then she gets the kind of romance with, I think his name was Paul, like, the businessman who his wife leaves him and then he ends up staying and they have this cute little romance. And then it was great. It was, and then, ah, oh, the, when they come in for dinner and everybody's sitting at their own table. And then the next time that we see a dinner, people are sort of paired up and it's so sweet. It really was. It was adorable. <sighs> and very, very lovely. And what I also really liked was, even though it was, was this, this is an outsider community in the middle of nowhere, this is an attractive spot for tourists. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I thought also that was really realistic. There's bikers and hikers who come in from all over. Mm-hmm. There's fishermen who come in. And, like, a lot of the locals are making money off of, like, taking them out fishing. Mm-hmm. And, like... And a lot of them, because of because of the general store... Did it have a name? Jackson's Landing or something? Yeah. Jackson's Crossing. Jackson's Crossing. Um, because it also was on the lake. So a bunch of the out of town fishermen would like come through, get snacks and then launch off of the, the dock, back of the, the dock, which there. they should charge for that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. you gotta charge for that. Oh my God. There were times where it's just, and I like, I know this was very sweet, but Nana's like, oh yeah, I made you dinner. And then you get a free cup of coffee and a free biscuit and a free slice of pie. I'm, I'm like, listen, I, I appreciate your generosity, but also like. 
You got to charge for that. You got bills to pay, lady. Yeah. I mean, also, it talked a lot about Nana's food, and it all sounded so good. It sounded delicious. Oh. And, and like, there's part of me that was like, this Cafe General store was too easy to set up. But then another part of me was like, fuck it. This is the fantasy part I want to live for. Yeah. It was also <laughs> all of it sort of half set up anyway. So, like, the the infrastructure was there. They still needed to put work into it, which I appreciated. Right, yeah. yeah. And I what I also really liked was the ongoing theme of first impressions being incorrect. Except, okay, there's this whole thing where somebody told Allie that Willie, who's like, you know, just like the guy, the local guy, the local old guy, was like, oh yeah, he's such a perv. And so for the rest of the book, and she sees him and Nana getting close and she's like, oh, but he's a perv. I'm waiting for... And then, like, nothing comes of it. It doesn't pay off. And she's like, well, I guess I shouldn't listen to gossip. I'm like, you never listened to gossip. That was never a problem that you had. No, that was... Yeah. So that was super bizarre. But also it was like, oh, Willie's weird and smells like fish all the time. And that's like, oh, he's one of the most kind-hearted people in the world. Yeah. That's uh, what, And that was the part I liked. Like, yeah. The gossip and like, part Mary Lynn iffy. does not have her shit together. Oh, she's real good in a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Just take out the drug stuff. Take out the drug stuff. Anyway, that was that book. Yeah, that was that book. Mm. Satisfaction Guaranteed by Corellia Stetz Waters. For fans of Casey McQuiston and Abby Jimenez comes a bold, hilarious, and out-of-the-box novel about mixing business with battery-operated pleasure. That's the only reason I read the first paragraph, that pun, I love it. When it comes to her career, Kate Elgin has it all figured out. Only professional talk has become her default mode. Relationships are non-existent and don't even mention the word orgasm. All work and no play makes Kate a dull human. But when she inherits a sex toy store, Kate is caught between business and a store filled with every imaginable kind of pleasure, including her infuriatingly irresponsible and deliciously sexy new co-worker. Selena Mathis learned the hard way that she can have too much of a good thing, which is precisely why she's taking an oath of celibacy and is focusing on how to make satisfaction guaranteed a success. She won't mess this up. Not this time. But once again, Selena's emotions are getting in the way and tempting her with a serious attraction to button up Cade. But the shop isn't exactly vibing, and Cade and Selena are on the verge of losing both their income and their possibility of love. Can they find a way to work together before Satisfaction Guaranteed runs out of batteries? <laughs> oh it, was, it was one too many, but I love it. Okay, Claire. Yes. That's what that book says it's about. Is, th is that what the book is about? I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say, I mean, yes. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we start this with a funeral. Oh my god. Oh my god. So good. This whole book takes not this whole book. Some of it takes place in New York, but the whole the bulk of the story takes place in um uh Portland. Portland, Oregon. And we begin at the funeral of Ruth, who is uh just sort of this wild and free woman who has friends in the burlesque industry, who is like you know, so many art friends that just abound in her rich life, but she also runs a sex positive vibrator store. 
a feminist sex toy store that also sells cookware and like some home goods and these weird fake cats that are battery operated so it looks like they're breathing this place reminded me of a store that was actually used to just around the corner from me Uh down the block that was mostly flowers Uh and a lot of kitsch including those cats great that 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 store had those cats all over and they are creepy as fuck i will have to say the merman christmas ornaments oh those should have stayed those are real i've seen those in almost every sex toy store in the castro that's amazing yeah those are real they're sparkly and they're great of course they are. That yeah. sounds amazing. Anyway, so she had, up until uh, she had been diagnosed with cancer, run this store. Mm-hmm. Uh, Selena had lived with her because, um, one, she needed the extra help. And two, Selena had recently run into some problems. Ruth was friends with one of Selena's friends and just sort of invited her to stay. Mm-hmm. So she ran the store, which sounds like for like, a couple of years i would say like two or yeah. three years or something maybe yeah. even more so they lived together ran the store together and just more or less had a lovely little life um and then ruth was diagnosed with cancer died s- slowly mm-hmm. and in a pretty painful way um and then we start the book at the funeral the funeral everybody's in gold lame <laughs> Except for Cade. Except for Cade. Um, Everybody's like artistic and vibrant. Um, Ruth's family is sort of art royalty. They Mm -hmm. are from New York. They, it seems like they are, they were 1960s love children, Mm -hmm. like friends of Sidney Pollock type of people Mm -hmm. who ended up opening an art gallery, which became very much like, if that is your launching pad, you are already famous. Yeah. So that's like, that became a big thing. And when her their daughter came of age, uh, she took over running the gallery. But like all the like business accounting, all of that stuff. Like she does have an eye for art. Well, no, she runs the whole thing. Like she picks the artists. She gets the artists to like to, to do it. That's she right, does all the, the work. They get the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like really her parents are retired. Yeah. And every once in a while, poke but their nose in. But she's only a third owner of, of Right. The and every once in a while, they poke their nose in and they have, you know, they want to do something either goofy or silly that mm-hmm. she acquiesces to because she only owns a third of the business. They want to buy an alpaca farm. And move it into the gallery. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's the type of people she comes from. But she has, she's not conservative. She's not, a, but like, when I, so... Every time I say conservative going forward, I just mean in her dress, in her style, and in sort of... In her sensibilities. In her sensibilities. I don't mean in Republican In her politics. Not in her politics, not in that. But she's she's buttoned up. She's very about sort of like what is appropriate, et cetera. Butch business lesbian. She... Oh my god, she sounded so hot. She did. She sounded really hot. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's Selena. Can I read a very very brief passage? This is Selena beginning her eulogy at the funeral. She says, I remember Selena began, her voice trembling. When Ruth told me she named her clitoris Belinda. <laughs> and of course, Kate is like, I didn't want to know this about my aunt. What? Anyway. Kate is having the worst time at this funeral. Kate is having the worst time. Kate is like, uh, I'm sorry. It's a funeral. You're supposed to dress in black. It's serious mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you were not supposed to talk about people's clit in a eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> also, and I, I thought this was done so well that, like, 
Cade loved her parents, and it was very obvious that her parents loved her, but, like, there was this, I'm sure, one-sided friction from Cade that was just like, yeah, of course they can just decide to buy alpacas, and, like, my whole entire family is like this, and people can just sort of, like, follow the voice of the universe. They can do whatever the fuck they want, because I'm always there to make sure things don't fall apart. And there was this, like, ongoing joke of like, oh, you were switched at birth with an accountant's daughter, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this cute thing that her parents say that like, she's actually internalized a lot in in a way that like, makes her feel like she doesn't belong with her parents. And and like, she, she's a little resentful of it. And I did appreciate, there's a moment at the end where she's talking to, she brings it up to her mom and her mom's like, no, that's just a silly little joke. We love you very much. <laughs> we appreciate you very much. You belong to us. And that was very sweet. It was. It was very sweet. And so in it very early on sets up the difference between her and Selena as well. Because Selena is like like Ruth, a sort of a free spirit type of person mm-hmm. who just sort of follows the wind and an artist actually, you know, who who works on her isn't currently working on her art, but is an artist. Um, and gets nervous in front of crowds, and except when she's teaching, except when she's a highly emotional person, mm-hmm. whereas like Cade is not, mm-hmm. and so like right away is very beautifully sets up like mm-hmm. these uh, this opposites attract situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was really well put together and really nicely set up. I also liked normally, or from what we've seen at least, with the like oh I've sworn off sex i've sworn off love etc etc it's just like oh i'm upset or like i'm sick of things not going my way which i mean don't get me wrong i i understand those feelings but in this book selena was like i use sex as a coping mechanism for everything and a lot of times that's not healthy for me to do so i am swearing off sex until i get my shit together and then after i get my shit together then we'll see what's going on but like this is something that I need to do because of the patterns that I fall into and I'm avoiding that. And I was like, I get it. I'm a hundred percent on board. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Meanwhile, Cade herself has never had an orgasm. She's only had a couple, I think four, uh, sex partners. Oh, three sexual partners. She's only had sex six times. Right. And, has not ever come on her own or with uh, anyone else or with anybody else. And at first I was like, really? And then when we see the scene where she's like, she takes one of the toys home and she's trying it. And then she just gets like, so in her head. It's like, Oh, ob- obviously, obviously she's never had an orgasm because she always gets in her own way. Okay. I yeah. get it. I, get I mean, it. and I would say like, it's also a little deeper than that. Like, yeah. I think um, that, felt really realistic to me mm-hmm. like that seemed uh, in, like she grew up in a very open environment which she's rebelled from mm-hmm. on her own um but i think there's also a lot of pressure that sex be good mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. and what that means like even selena at one point says you don't have to come mm-hmm. like <laughs> like we we can just enjoy this like it's mm-hmm. okay if you don't like this can still be enjoyable without you 
climaxing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't follow. They all kind of followed through that one time. But like, right. I was like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. And like half of like the pressure to like, you only will enjoy sex if you come like sets you up for disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I thought that that was actually really realistic and well mm-hmm. done. And I also thought it's a lovely little dramatic irony that what happens is uh, Kate and Selena jointly uh, inherit the store and the house mm-hmm. and are informed that they need to, they have a month where they can work on this together and try to get it up to, to making money again. They have to get out of a hundred thousand dollars of debt in a month mm-hmm. with a store that it's obviously not doing well i want the readers our listeners not our readers i mean you could be reading i don't know but uh our listeners know christine just made a face uh christine is the person among the three of us who is most entranced entranced, in, entranced in money matters um and when Neil said that the face Christine made was that's fucking impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, guess what? It is impossible. It, it is it impossible. Happen in the and book. I liked they. I mean, it was it was very sad uh, that they they end up losing the store in the house. And then also, oh my god, when they're talking to the lawyer and it's like, if there's anything valuable in the house, you can't take it. You have to leave it. Yeah. To pay. Ugh. It was so sad, but it felt so realistic. They committed a little bit of fraud. <laughs> A bit of fraud, just a little bit of fraud. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was kind of so. I, I again, I also really like that. And then over the course, like, um, at first when they first met each other at the funeral, they were opposite attracty, and mm-hmm. then they met at the house mm-hmm. again, opposite attracty, but super into each other. Mm-hmm. They both thought each other was hot. They were both like into it. They were both consoling of each other emotionally. Mm-hmm. There was lots of good stuff happening. And then they met at the at, at the, they met at the lawyers, and then at the store, and it was like oil and water. They it's were like, like "What the fuck are we doing?" And it was great. Another thing that was set up really well sort of concurrent with that is um Kate is also I mean obviously she has to deal with artists but she's sick of artists essentially using her to get into her parents gallery like anybody only talks to her because they want to get into right. the gallery so she feels from everyone that she is her only worth is what she can do for them and and like this is very unintentional by her parents but she feels like her only worth is her ability to run the business and then for artists her only worth is the fact that she's able to get um get people in and then of course uh selena's friend beckett is like selena you have to talk to her about how you're an artist and selena's like no that's that's very inappropriate and then the whole book selena's like no, I bet everybody's constantly bugging her about trying to get to the gallery. I'm not going to do that. I don't want that from her. Also, she doesn't continue to paint because of the drama. I Oh, God, that was so good. And here comes in our next cartoony villain Ugh. who was also perfect. Ugh. Like, also perfectly cartoonish, perfectly horrible. Ugh. And I was fine with how one-dimensional and cartoony she was. Mm-hmm. Alex. Alex. Alex, who is a professor at uh, Selena's college when Selena was studying art. And Selena went to school older. Mm-hmm. So she didn't go right ahead of high I school. Didn't say how old? 
I got the sense that she she probably started early 20s. I kind of got the, yeah, yeah. I mean, but like older than the other kids were. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so so she started a little older. She had more experience as an artist than mm-hmm. a lot of the other ones did. And she was already not successful as an artist. She hadn't put herself out there, but she was already good. She was fucking great right. as an artist. And sort of recognized around. And Alex, like any sort of... Uh, predatory professor uh-huh. just sort of latches onto her grooms her and then starts breaking her down emotionally mm-hmm. and then just sort of like shatters her soul mm-hmm. and has now come back and is like blaming her because she's like well i left my husband so now you have to be with me and selena's like i want you to go away i want you to go away please go away please go away you ruined my life and she's like you're such a baby you're such a child you're always such a child selena and and like alex is legitimately awful she's real awful to which selena just wanting to get out of this conversation claims that she is engaged to cade elgin (laughs) who she had literally just met five minutes ago at the funeral (laughs) i wish either that more had come of that or that it had been left out. It did seem like it was like setting up for a heavy, like yeah. fake dating trope. And I was like, oh my God, so many tropes in this book. I did like the moment what happened though. Like, so Alex shows up at the store and she's like, you were obviously lying. And I, it did seem like a lie. So I'm not going to, Alex was correct. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Alex is like, you were obviously lying. Kate is like, who's this fucking bitch in her head and like selena's like shrinking like a flower because her abuser is there and and kate immediately steps in is like what yeah this is my fiance yeah absolutely i you know and she's just like like she looks at selena and they sort of have like a mind meld where she's like i don't know why you made up this lie but i i'm i'm here for it let's we'll just get through this moment together and she looks at selena she's like yeah we met the most romantic way how did we meet and selena who's the worst liar ever goes uh skydiving <laughs> and like kate looks at her skydiving is how we met <laughs> and like and I think what that was is that was the first time we saw Cade just going with the flow. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. because she is also very much like, this is how you, you do the right thing in the right moment. You tell the truth. Like, you you yeah. don't fuck around. Like, and here she is being protective and not in a creepy way uh-huh. of the person she has a crush on. Mm-hmm. Um, stepping in as needed, mm-hmm. but not like fucking the situation up. Mm-hmm. And kind of going with the flow in a way that she wouldn't have done. And they did make cute jokes about it later. Like sort of making joking about how dumb the lie was and like, oh, I've picked out the monogram napkins, et cetera, et cetera. I just wish that there had been at least one scene where because of the lie, they had to, you know, like they had to spend an afternoon like holding hands and, and like, because the tension was there the tension was good of like how much they wanted to touch each other but from selena being like i can't i can't because then i'll fuck her and then i like i'm gonna ruin my life and from kate being like i can't i can't because i got kicked out of bed for being bad at it so like i'm just gonna ruin everything 
I really so that that was all done very well. I just wish there had been a scene where they had to touch and pretend to be cutesy because of the lie to help move the feeling. Yeah, a bit. I mean, I guess like to continue the trope or to finish it. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, to yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I I would say like because the book was so focused on and concerned about consent mm-hmm. and thought about that all the time yeah. that under the you know under the fake dating umbrella, uh-huh. there's a lot of like weird consenty issues yeah 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 in that very specific trope where it's mm-hmm. like shit we have to kiss so that we can prove the lie yeah and they're both into it but it's also still a lie and so i feel like it's a it's a beautiful fun exciting trope but mm-hmm. because this book is so much about consent i think that the author just didn't want to go there so i can see where you say we could have left it out I liked that moment. Well, here's the thing about that. I think that there is a way that it could have been done. Because basically what this book was for me. Also, in case you haven't picked up, I fucking loved this book. Yeah, this book no. is so good, so sweet, so sexy, so funny. It's amazing. Um, so much of this book is taking this very tropey moment, character, interaction, whatever... And then like, oh, here's where here's how we do that so that it's not creepy and there's consent involved. And it, it was it was just really lovely to see like, oh, all of these things that we see so often that are like kind of dubious in a lot of ways can just be very sweet. And like I think it if they had to if they showed up somewhere where they had to stay somewhere and they couldn't leave and Alex was there. They could have like gone off into the corner, and Selena could have been like, "Okay, I'll 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 fake a stomach flu. I'll get us out of here. We don't need to do this. Like, I don't want to put you in the situation where we have to pretend to be together." And then Kate is like, "I really want to, even though I get it. That's such a bad idea." And her to be like, "Well, no, I you know, as long as it's like holding hands and pecks on the cheek, like, I think I can be okay with that. I think I think that's that's fine." And then they do that, and then over the course of it, then they can, like, share moments of, like, oh, is it okay if I do this? Oh, yeah, totally do that. And, it like, you know, I think it could have been done in a way that was, uh, that had enthusiastic consent and was still very sweet. And then also, like, was payoff, I too. can see that. I can see that. I, I guess I just didn't need it, so it didn't occur to me. Okay. Like, I like all the other things. Because what we did get in this book, where we haven't gotten in the other book, is uh, Selena publicly out <gasps> alex oh my and, god it felt so good and so like, there's definitely so that is the moment where the trope would have finished uh, that is the moment where we would have had the fake dating stuff yeah but instead the author decided no she's just going to tell the truth oh my and god it's it in so all amazing. the book a lot of the books where they do the fake dating badly mm-hmm. and where we have said if they just told the truth yeah and this author was like, "Yeah, this is what happens. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. works out fine." <laughs> oh my God, it it was, it was so okay. It was so good. So, Cade took Selena out to an art walk for their very first date, and this was like seventy five percent into the book. So, like, oh yeah, by this time they'd had sex. By this time they'd, uh, they were girlfriends. Practically. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So they go on the date, and they go into a gallery, and they run into Alex another of Selena's old professors and the new dean of this college. And this other professor is just like, Selena, 
Oh my god, I haven't seen you in forever. I'm sure it's because you're famous now. You're so talented, so talented, so talented. And so obviously, all the other professors were very supportive of Selena. And then Alex is continuing to talk for Selena and is like, oh, I hear she's an entrepreneur now. And gives Selena this look of like, oh, aren't you glad that I helped you by like helping us not mention what you actually do? And Selena has this moment that's like, fuck you, bitch. I got this. And then there's another another moment where the other professor's like, oh, like we're really upset that you that you had to that you dropped out like you know like we had really high hopes for you etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you know like alex made some comment about like oh i'm sure she left because of xyz and then in front of alex's co-worker and her boss suddenly it's like oh no i dropped out because we were uh in a sexual relationship and you dumped me but now i run a sex store and it's great and then the dean and the other professor are like, fucking what? Yeah. Jaws on the floor. Oh, it was Alex so... is like, head has exploded. It it's was amazing. so good. And then when Selena decides that she does need to like file an official complaint with the university, blah, blah, blah. She goes to talk to the dean and the dean's like, I'm so glad you're doing this. I like, I know it's a hard decision to come to, but like. That's real shitty what happened to you, and I'm really glad. Well, and then we find out she did this to other students. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was great. Um, And and no, and their relationship was also nice. Like the first moments they kissed and had sex, like there was tenuousness, but there was also like, I would say a lot of the books we read, like because we read romance that's romance focused. Mm -hmm. So... Um, sometimes when I talk to people about what we do, like they're at, like, if we were just reading sex books and yes, there is sex in the books and that is part of the focus. And some of the books are sex books. And some of the books are sex books. If I remind you of, uh, that Scottish one. Look, I think about the road all the time. (laughs) (laughs) What was the theme again? Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Oh, because there was, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So. And that was that was straight up erotica. That was straight up erotica. But I do think <laughs> but it most had of good pathos. It was so good. But most of our books aren't that. Correct. And even if they have a sexy moment, I don't feel the need to get off on that moment. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, that's a nice little adorable, lovely moment. Um, and some of them are too cliched, or some of them anatomically don't work. Mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. if it feels sexy, and you're like, but wait. But is he jacking off into his knee? So like, is, is he fucking his hip joint? Is that yeah. what's happening? Uh... So like, there's times where you know it does. I would say that this, these were actually some very, very sexy scenes. These were uh, dog ear the book and save it for later scenes. Toys happened. Oh, okay. I do have multiple scenes. I do want to talk about toys in just a second. Yes, but. I will say I was a little disappointed at how well their first sex scene went. Yeah. Because both of them hadn't had partners for a while. And I would say in both cases, years. Yeah. And I would also say one of them was utterly unfamiliar with anyone's anatomy. Cade had no idea what was going on down there. Mm -hmm. I was looking forward to a sex scene that was teaching like I was looking forward yeah. to like this is what this is. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Now look at mine. How does this feel? Mm-hmm. I thought that's where this was going. Yeah. 
and it didn't go there. Cade kind of magically knew what to do now. Yeah. And that was, yeah. and it was fine. It was still very sexy. Readers, it's still very sexy. It's so great. And I did appreciate, like, it, when they have that, when Selena and Kate have the conversation with Selena, it's like, you don't have to orgasm. It's right. fine. And that removed the pressure. So then Kate did orgasm. Right. So that she. And it felt a little magical, but then also was like, oh, yeah, just having that pressure. I wish we had spent a little more time inside Kate's head of her sort of like having to remind herself of that to sort of right. internalize that. And then. Well, and then later what we see, they do have a sex scene later that's still sexy and nice. And Kate mm-hmm. doesn't come. Because they're both under a lot of pressure. And they're both a little scared about their future and the relationship. And the the store is closing. Like, they've just gotten the news Mm -hmm. that there's nothing they can do to save it. Like, they have to be out tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a lot going on. And she doesn't come. Yeah. And neither of them feel bad about it. Yeah. And I was like, this is great. This is good. The thing with the toys. Um, what, What I did like is that when Cade looks around... Even Cade knows that this store is for straight ladies. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, I'm sorry, we're in Portland and there is a diversity of people who need sex toys. And this store is not for them. Like, I'm, you know, and she is correct. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many people who need sex toys. And Ruth, God bless her heart, really only cared about one section of them. Yeah. Yeah, and there and there was like when Kate brought that up, Selena was like, "Oh, but Ruth welcomed everyone." And Kate had to be like, "Well, she may have felt that, but looking at this place, it's not welcoming to everyone." Right. Like the intention and the execution are not always the same thing. Right. And so I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. But to, then to take it a step further though, as a straight woman familiar with sex toys, there wasn't actually that many straight women sex toys in there either (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of big dildos Uh i'm gonna say that but there are more sex toys than dildos (laughs) there were a few vibrators oh yeah but again these were referred to as vibrators that were dildos yeah claire's making a large cylindrical shaped not like the the cute little ones that you sort of like not like not like the teeny ones not like the just this is just for your clit ones Mm -hmm, not the mm -hmm. uh, you know they they mentioned butt plugs and butt plugs that had things but like there's a lot in the sex toy industry that's about all of these other things whether you're doing it alone or with other people and i was like ah like and there was no videos in the store really like there's a couple of books Mm. but like well it also it was not a well-run business it wasn't a (laughs) well-run business but even later like the author really didn't get into like all like they didn't order new things they didn't bring in new stuff yeah 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 and so yeah that could have even just been like a sentence well and the funny thing is when they went it. to the sex expo which uh-huh. i was like yeah that is an excellent opportunity you run a sex shop you got to go to the sex expo the sex expo. and then i was like oh wait you're just hitting up flyers oh no you need a booth or what do you what wait or talk why aren't you why aren't you bringing on those merchandisers like you have three merchandisers. You don't know them money yet. Put it all on credit. Get some new shit in there. That's how every store 
is run. They're like, <laughs> okay. So the thing is, if we bring in them and we upcharge, <laughs> like we're like, oh, we brought in new product and it is like fifty bucks, <laughs> and you've never seen it before, and half of that's going to the old creditor. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not a business person, as one can tell by our Patreon that's not quite set up yet, but on the way. Very soon. And in fact, by time travel wise, by the time this is out, maybe it is. It might not be, but who knows? Even I was like, no, that's not what the sex expo's for. (laughs) (laughs) Don't just hand out your flyers. Yeah. (laughs) And that Cade was like. Yeah, because most half of the people there are from out of town. Yeah. Yeah. No, get them to come to your goddamn store. (laughs) Yeah. Go up to one of those porn stars and like. Have them do a signing. Have them do a signing or even just a like. A shout out on social. Or even just like, hey, if you come to our store and we serve people wine, would you want to like just do something for an hour? Or sell the brick and mortar. Like, honestly, like Mm. all of their money was going into rent and mortgage. They're right. Short sell that shit. Get a storage unit and go back to New York where you own your goddamn apartment right. and just ship your goddamn sex toys out of there. But the thing is too, and I did really appreciate this, is that uh, Selena was very adamant about Satisfaction Guaranteed, the, the shop, also being a place uh, for sex education. I agree. And like and they I, had the, the the paint your vulva workshop. Oh my god! When they were talking about that for a very long time, I thought that they were gonna have a bunch of people with vulvas come in and apply paint to their own vulvas. <laughs> no, 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 no! It was here's a canvas, here's a glass of wine, paint a painting of your vulva. Right. <laughs> I was like, that can't be, you like compliant with health and safety and then when i finally i was like oh okay 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 now, okay so this is all to say like i think the book did an excellent job this was a great book this i i thought it treated the business side really really well Such a good book. i'll be honest i thought they did a really good job with that yeah so i don't actually have complaints about that all yeah. the things i'm saying are not complaints <clears throat> it's just that it makes you think about it <laughs> yeah 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 Two. and so then it makes you think like of all the other things so i I still think they did well. Go I ahead. had two things, one medium, one small about the book. I'm like, eh. Um, one was, okay, so after they realize that each, Kate and Selena each realize that they're in love with the other, but that it's way too soon, so they don't say it. So then, like, they have to sell the store. Cade goes back to New York. Selena stays in um, Portland. And they both are like fucking up their relationship because they aren't expressing their feelings and they're reading too much into the other person's feelings. And then, of course, there's a grand gesture and they talk it out and it's lovely. Um, and Selena is essentially unofficially invited to show at the Elgin Gallery, which would launch her career into the stratosphere like she would become an overnight sensation but she still chooses not to because she knows that that's why like that 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 people are constantly wanting things out of kate and she doesn't want to be one of those people great love it love it so she finally oh we also forgot to mention she had given up painting because of alex 
Right. And in fact, was getting ready to burn all of her paintings. And then Ruth stepped in and was like, no, I'll do it. You shouldn't have to see it. And then we find out later there's a locked bedroom in a cabin where Ruth actually kept all the paintings and it's lovely. And then so Ruth or Selena is saying on her friend Beckett's couch, by the way, they both had support networks of friends. Both of them did. It was great. Yeah. They were not lonely people. Yep. And so then Selena's like, I need to get the fuck off of Beckett's couch. And apparently to get a place in Portland, you need first month's rent, last month's rent and the deposit. I'm like, it's not even that bad in San Francisco, but okay. Anyway, so she has an auction. She auctions off her paintings and Kate does the grand gesture and shows up at the auction because she's like, I actually love you. Selena's like, I actually love you. Let's figure it out. And then the first painting starts at five, but actually ends up selling for like 350 or something. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's very realistic. Okay, sure, sure, sure. And like, um, Selena has this moment, she's like, oh God, it's like what I'm selling it for isn't even covering the cost of the materials anymore and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, that's all very realistic. And then all of a sudden, all of her paintings start making, start going for much higher. Like, all of a sudden. And it was set up in this way that's like, oh, somebody did a thing to make this happen, but apparently not. So then she ended up making $1.2 million on selling her paintings. Um, which, it felt very deus ex machina to me. Yeah. And I was just like, in a book that has felt so very realistic up to this point, it really stuck out. Um, and then also, I thought it was setting up that... Um, Selena was essentially going to take Alex's job and be, become a professor at the art school because she loves teaching. She loves art. She doesn't want anything to happen to her to happen again. So Alex was going to get fired and Selena was going to take her job. And that's what I wanted. But they end up going to New York and opening Selena opens her own gallery and or like art collective space. And it still seemed great. But I was like, oh, like after all this time talking about how great of a teacher she is, and she does like mentor people at this new space. I really wanted her to become a professor at the school. Yeah, I, I kind of did too. But I, I was fine with that. Like, I kind of felt like that's when the teensy thing. I'm like, uh, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I kind of felt like when it got to that point, the grand gesture, the getting back together, like the painting, it, it felt oh the painting, but it did feel like that there was a lot the author needed to wrap up yeah and kind of had lost the thread how they wanted to do it yeah yeah yeah. so but i was okay with it fine you know like there's part of it that was a lot of this was pretty realistic like i believed mm -hmm. it i was able to suspend disbelief and go for it yeah so part of me was like fuck it fantasy yeah and what i liked was that there was some indication where it's her own steam. It's her own uh, greatness as an artist that got her to that. So yeah, a little deus ex machina e, but very much like, but it wasn't Cade that did it. Correct. And that's what was Correct. important to yeah, the yeah, author. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that it was wasn't nice. Cade that. that came in and saved the day. Yeah. It wasn't Cade that came in. And like, we got to feel throughout the entire book that Cade had it in her power to create an artist out mm -hmm. of nothing um and that she didn't do this for this woman and, and that she, their relationship wasn't based on that and she wanted to because there were two surviving selena portraits that she saw and she's like whoever painted this is fucking amazing selena do you know who painted this and selena's like no i don't oh it was good yeah oh. 
So I so I think and and one of the other what I assumed and what I think wasn't mentioned was because Selena one of not one of Cade's best friends is this guy who is a buyer of art uh-huh. and that he had seen this art mm-hmm. and like he also knew it was happening because he saw it on the web page mm-hmm. so he was aware. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling he was one of the buyers. Yeah, and then when he bought one, other buyers were who were watching uh, him okay. stepped in and bought. Okay, like okay. that's kind of what I imagine happened, and it just wasn't specifically narrated out. But I think that's what happened. Yeah, I I wish that had been that first person who got that first Selena painting for only three hundred made out like a bandit. Made out like a bandit. <laughs> I wish that that had been explained a little bit better because it's set up so well that like it's not what you paint, it's who you are and what's in vogue and all of that so for it to just like jump like that immediately but i I, yeah i wish it had been like oh it's so and so in new york and they threw that guy's name out and then people would have been like oh it's a name one very last point that i have to make i'm very very sorry uh selena even though we don't hear the word by or pan or however selena identifies selena is just like oh yes i sleep with we see men and women. I'm sure Selena has slept with plenty of non-binary folk as well, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I like, I really, for the first time in what seems like a very long time, we have a character who's just like, oh, yeah, I sleep with people that I'm attracted to, regardless yeah. of. Um, and <laughs> the another. Oh, her last lover was her friend, Beautiful Adrian. Oh, uh, I love the names so of all the friends in this. Yes. Like, yeah, all of Selena's friends, uh, it was like beautiful Adrian. Everybody referred to him as beautiful Adrian. That was his entire name. <laughs> and every single time beautiful Adrian was brought up, he's like, Oh, beautiful Adrian's over there and wants a drink. <laughs> yes. It was great. It was I loved great. that so much. There was, a, there, was a, there was a friend named like wine barrel or something. Yeah. And there was Beckett Zenobius. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And I was like, yeah, that's Portland. Yeah. I'm all, yep. I agree with all this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. That's um, all I had to say. No. Yeah. That's all I have to say too. Um, yeah, that was that book. That was that book. That was that book. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play Fuck, Mary. Mary. Fuck, 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 Mary. Well, Neil, yes? are you ready? Yes. Shall we play Fuck, Mary Kale? Do it. Yes. Would you like to go first or should I go um, first? I can go first. Okay. Okay. Um, so Fuck, Mary Kill. A handsome squatter dude by the lake. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, a taciturn fisherman. Mm-hmm. Crotchety old lady. Okay. <laughs> so you've got... Handsome squatter, mm-hmm. so we've got a little got bit going on there. Taciturn fisherman, mm-hmm. crotchety old lady. Does the taciturn fisherman smell like fish? Probably. He's a fisherman. <laughs> all of them live by the lake. They all smell a little bit yeah, like yeah, man-made yeah. lake water. <laughs> uh, oh, I smell it and I don't like it. Okay, I'm going to fuck the handsome squatter. Um, and we're we're definitely using protection and I'm definitely getting tested. (laughs) Probably also for like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to fuck him. I'm going to marry the crotchety old lady. 
I'm assuming you're talking about Mrs. Deals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to marry her. Uh, she was sassy and I loved it. And then I don't want to kill a taciturn fisherman, but I also don't want my genitals to smell like fish. <laughs> so unfortunately, I'm killing him. Um. Yeah, I think I'm going to fuck the crotchety old lady. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I could settle down into that for like a long term. Well, would it be long term? Honestly, it's all too long. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got a lot of my own emotions I have to take care of. Crotchety immediately says lots of emotions to me. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I'm gonna have. Uh, I think. I'm. Yeah, I'm also going to marry. The handsome squatter. Okay. Like, handsome. I guess we got that much going for it. I mean, I know who this is based on, and that person has a different story, which is an which is a no, but we'll get to that in a second. So I you know, I'm gonna kill the taciturn fisherman, if only because like oh, I just need someone to talk to me. Like this has to be a two way street. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That taciturn fisherman is not gonna talk to you. But the the squatter might not talk to you either. Look, I don't know, but handsome is his is his adjective. So. <laughs> <laughs> like beautiful Adrian. Goodness. Okay, Claire. I have two sets, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you choose. Do you feel like uh, hate fucking someone or group sex? Oh, let's go with hate fucking. Okay, Claire, fuck Mary, kill Alex, Carla, or Sheriff Fletcher. Oh. I am killing Sheriff Fletcher. Yeah. Because he was a horrific person. And he was terrible to his son. He was terrible to his son. Like the terrible things he said about the losers by the lake, that yeah. he felt like everybody was losers. Uh, briefly going to mention suicide here just very quickly. Several of the people in that story were touched by suicide and the sheriff felt like anybody who had any connection at all, even vaguely to suicide was a loser. Yes. So no, sorry, that guy sucks and yep. should die. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> um, so no to that man. Um, huh. Okay. Now this means I am going to marry Carla. Okay. Because she's gonna leave me. Okay. Because I've got no money and nothing to offer her. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna bounce. Way to game the system. <laughs> um, which means I'm gonna fuck Alex. Uh-huh. Look, it's bad. This like it's a bad choice. Yeah. But I mean, like, um, there's a reason Selena was attracted to her. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, she's a bad, terrible person, and I'm not condoning that. It's just that there's only three people left in the world, and one of them was a Sheriff Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> because these three people are all terrible people. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's my choice. Okay, okay, okay. I'm also going to kill Sheriff Fletcher. I think I'm going to fuck Carla. I'm going to have to do all the work. You know she's a pillow princess. Yes. Or she makes, like, very performative porn star noises that are just, oh, like... Oh, she is all noises. <laughs> <laughs> But then I never have to see her again. And then I'm going to marry Alex, if only because that means that I would be able to 
socialize with art professors and artists and probably go to a lot of art shows and stuff. And then she'd leave me for one of her students because the woman is abusive. And then I can be like, oh, I had no idea. And then, and then I'll get money in the divorce and like use it to ruin her life. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, out of all the characters, Claire, who would you fuck? Who would you marry? And who would you kill? Um, I'm gonna look. There's a lot of bad guys. Yeah. But I'm gonna kill Luke. Because, yeah. like, like uh, I I just wish he was written better. Or had not been there at all. <laughs> or not been there at all, man. It was really yeah. I'm gonna kill Luke. Mm -hmm. Just the panties thing. I, I like the moment the panties line happened. I was like, well, this guy's dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get to murder him. Oh, look, here's my murder victim. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to kill Luke. Um, I am going to. I'm going to marry Cade. Because okay. one, she's on top of her shit. Yeah. Two. Uh, I mean, she honestly sounds like fun. Like, yeah, she's like the like. She she knows what she likes. Mm -hmm. She's very specific about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But she also sounds hot as hell. Um, they both sounded so hot. Oh, so Selena. hot. They both sounded so hot. But like, I feel like <sighs> I need somebody who's a little bit more stable than Selena. Mm -hmm, so, and mm -hmm. I feel like Selena is... I'm going to fuck Selena. Fair. Like, because one, so fun. And yeah. two, I feel like she's a butterfly that needs to be free, and I could not trap her. I, I like, I can't, I can't keep her. She needs to go experience the world. Kate, on the other hand, wants to settle down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm all for it. And yeah. so that's me. Okay. 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 I am going to uh, fuck beautiful Adrian. Oh. Because he's beautiful, and like. Selena decided to take this vow of celibacy and picked beautiful Adrian as her last hurrah. So you know he's good at it. Yeah. So I'm gonna fuck beautiful Adrian. I'm gonna I'm gonna marry Selena. And here's why. By the end of the book, she does her shit together. And I feel like that like early book Selena, I'm like, I, I can't. I can't. I'm dealing with too much of my own shit. But towards the end of the book, when she's like a little more self-actualized, a little more confident, and, and she has, teaches like... you how to ride on the motorcycle with her. Oh my god, mm. that was another one. That was another one. The bad boy on the motorcycle, and there was this. It's like, you know, and 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 it was very realistic. And then it was also like, if you if you want me to stop, tap my shoulder three times. If you want me to slow down, you know, like giving, uh, Cade like a sense of control and to like be able to express when she was uncomfortable and then also it, Kate was like oh I expected her to peel out because that's what they always do right but Selena's like no this is her first time on a fucking motorcycle so I'm just gonna like sort of slowly do this and this and this and then of course it built up to them going on the freeway and having the time of their lives but then also Selena's like oh no you gotta get close you gotta hold on to me like don't go on a motorcycle with somebody who can't hold you up I'm just like <sighs> I know that whole scene was so romantic and sexy. It One of was. my favorite parts of that was like, uh, Selena's like, have you been in a crash? And, or no, Kate's like, have you been in a crash? And Selena goes, yeah, of course. 
course I have. You don't want to be on a bike with somebody who's never been in a crash before. You don't want to be someone's first crash. Mm-hmm. And that made so much sense and was also like dire sounding and like important. But then Cade says in her mind, like, Selena, you are my first crash. And it was just like, this is sexy and romantic. And everything about this is wonderful. <laughs> it was so sexy and romantic. So yeah, I'm going to marry Selena. She was great. I, I loved her. I adored her. Um, and then I'm also going to kill Luke. Yeah. Cause, because he was awful, but all the other awful people that we read are supposed to be awful. Why are we reading so many straight romances where we could yeet the guy? I'm not... Why is that happening? <laughs> I'm so sad, Neil. I'm so sad. Uh, <laughs> I got into this so that I wouldn't yeet the guy. And yet, here we are. All right. Anyway, and the books. Well, I mean, I'm so torn. Okay, no. I'm going to marry Satisfaction Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to marry it. It's like this is a this was a fabulous book. It was wonderful. I I'm going to highly recommend this. Anytime somebody says, "Do you recommend any of the books you've read?" This is going to be one of the top ones now. Mm-hmm. This and um Extraordinary Union. Yeah. Oh. So I still think about that book sometimes. Yeah. Oh, so good. That was the next excellent book. Didn't want to eat the guy. No. <laughs> the romance was important and he grew as a person. Indeed. Um, so like, I feel like half of Twisted Creek was one of the better books we've read. And the other half of Twisted Creek was the worst book we've read. <laughs> And it was very sad. Yeah. So I'm going to kill Twisted Creek, mm-hmm. but I'm going to save in my heart the best parts of that book. The nesters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody who lives at the lake, except Luke. Well, he yeah, doesn't yeah. live there, so he's out. Yep. Okay, I'm also going to marry Satisfaction Guaranteed. Like, listeners, go fucking read that book. Oh, it was so good. Also, the author's picture, I just, I want to hang out with her so bad. She looks so cool. She looks so cool. I mean, just all the things this author knew about. I was like, oh, this is a person who's cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, it didn't matter that Allie was an artist. Other than she was attracted to Luke's fairy blue eyes. Whereas, like, Satisfaction Guaranteed could not have existed without art. And without our author knowing about art and having known artists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two secret themes that were in these books mm-hmm. was like older women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Ruth had died, but Ruth was very present throughout the book. Yeah. So I, I never felt like she wasn't there. And so mm-hmm. I still felt like there was an older woman. And in part because Nana was like going through the early middle stages of dementia, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like she was Ruth in some ways where mm-hmm. she was sort of a ghost through her own life. Mm-hmm. So these two women felt very similar in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, I, I would also, also say, like, the the cat that is sort of astray and is adopted. Uh-huh. Both of them had it. Um, oh, yeah. In, uh, because in, uh, in Satisfaction Guaranteed, it was a cat named Psychopath. Yeah. And in Twisted Creek, it was a cat named The General. <laughs> the General. Um, I also felt that Jefferson was, like... Even though he was dead before the book started, he also felt like a character all throughout, which yes. which was really well done. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then, I mean, art things, yes, but um, that was also a thing that, a like, secret theme. a secret theme was that there was artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to, everyone just please go read Satisfaction Guaranteed. It is so good. Um, yeah, just go do that. And then Twisted Creek, ugh. I think I'm going to kill it. If only because it was supposed to be a romance and it would have been better without the romance. If we had taken out the romance, I definitely would have fucked it. I might have married it. I would have dated it seriously for a good while. But like as a romance, I'm fucking Luke. <sighs> so we're going to kill it. So I'm going to kill it. And I, I feel a little bad, but oh well. <sighs> and that that's that so i guess now it's time for our favorite game for our favorite game all right ready claire 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 what are we reading next time i got my thinking cap on i'm ready all right this next time we are reading bump it a bump 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 it a bump 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 the Charm Offensive by Allison Cotron and One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. Ooh, okay. So again, that's The Charm Offensive and One to Watch. Oh boy, I want to say maybe politicians. Ooh, not quite. Okay, that, that's a really. I was, I was like, how do I marry these two ideas? Politicians was a very good guess. That's where I was trying to get. So I'm sad yeah, that it's like wrong. Yeah, like something competitive. Yeah. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Hmm. Competitive. Is it like speech and debate teams? No, but that's also an interesting guess. Oh, God. Boy, one to watch. Uh... Another guess I have would be, like, TV. I know, Neil I'm thinking, is like, very, reality very... TV. Got it. No! Christine <laughs> got it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, absolutely. Um, both of them, I think... Uh... I think uh, I think both of them, both of them are romance reality um, TV drama. So it's like both of them are yes. like there's like involving. The bachelors. In, yes. Okay, there's great, like great, great, a great. sort of a sense of like the, the bachelor. Or are they more like Love Island? I think they're more like the bachelor. Okay. 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 Oh my God. I, uh... Um, both of these books have been on my list for a while, uh -huh. but they're both longer. Like I warned Neil, I was like, you're going to hate me. <laughs> how long are these books, Claire? Neil, you can see how long these books are because I, he's going to hate me for two reasons. One, because they're both long and two, because I bought the books and they're like actual books. <laughs> <laughs> so as somebody who loves physical books i have now become like no i need my e-reader for these books so i can take my notes so but let me see. we're both out is... of work so i was like well this is the time to do longer books uh one is 354 uh-huh 
this one is oh my god i love this cover one to watch is a beautiful cover yeah and she looks curvy and i hope that is true in the book she is she is a plus-sized woman who's competing on a reality dating show oh i love it oh nice okay the other one is 417 yep okay i'll get started on these i guess <laughs> sorry but uh, they've been on my list for a super long okay. time i've been looking forward to, to doing both of these books i've heard excellent things about both of them so i can tell that the charm offensive is pretty new because it's that style cover that's super in right now right well they're both illustrated covers yeah this one to watch it's, it's it looks a little different the style because this looks like i'm sorry listeners this isn't fun for you we'll talk about this off camera <laughs> or off off mic whatever off camera off camera zoom camera if anyway. we had camera then the listeners could follow anyway whatever it's fine um great i guess that's all we have really to say oh but thank you claire no thank you neil thank you christine thank, thank you. you so much christine and thank you authors thank you so much authors they these were these were fun to read these books honestly yeah i mean even though we killed one i i enjoyed the hell out of reading half of it yeah 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 <laughs> And then everyone go read Satisfaction Guaranteed, please. It's so um, good. And thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. You listeners are my favorite part of this show. Because without you, I'd just be screaming into the void. <laughs> We're working on getting our Patreon up. And so save those dollars <laughs> so that you can send them to us at some point. But, um, uh, but of course what we would like you to do is rate uh star subscribe review um us on itunes and anywhere else so that other people can find this podcast yeah also word of mouth is great tell your friends tell your lovers tell your art dealers tell, tell your enemies because some of those enemies might like it like, yeah like i we, we can't judge we can't judge Tell the weird people who live around the lake with you. Just like tell everyone about us. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess um, if that's all, then if you can do so safely. Consensually. And artfully. Maybe on a motorcycle. I mean, definitely something vibrating between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Key. Key.